Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Five Rounds Podcast, the only podcast out there with the cardio for those deep water championship rounds. I'm Mags, and uh, today, because the event was on pretty earlier in the UK, I've got a stranger to the show. You might remember his voice way back when, when we... Uh, uh, recorded uh, on the old networks, but he's back again. How are you, Carlos? <coughs> I'm good. How are you? A massive cough, um, <laughs> like clearing the throat there for the audio. I was taking a drink of milk because I've been here for ages and <laughs> I uh, got, got a bit all stuck. Yeah. So before we uh, we get into the the card, what's been going on with you? I mean, I've been. Uh, um, telling the the listeners about uh, your laugh with uni and with work and uh, getting back to training and your new fat gear. Uh, so how's uh, how's your laugh been in the few weeks that the the listeners haven't heard you? Oh, it's been an absolute nightmare. <clears throat> it's been just all guns guns go. Mm-hmm. Um, working nights, which I'm. Thankfully not doing now. Don't ever get a job doing that, Jeffs. It's, it's horrible. You, you're tired all the time. Can't do nothing. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, getting back into the training, getting the new fire kit is one of the best things. That's um, come out of this last, like, I'd say, month or two. So, yeah, I'm just glad to be back and actually having a little bit of a routine, mm-hmm. being back doing the podcasting again. Yeah, hopefully so. I mean, you know, your new job sounds like it's, uh, it's going to be a little bit more lenient. Uh, I mean, you you can't really can't really guarantee that you'll be around for every single one because there's obviously shift patterns and stuff like that but um it's uh, certainly what should work out better than than uh, than your last uh, job hopefully but uh anyway let's get into this card so we've just watched ufc vegas 41 headlined by the the blood feud between paulo costa and marvin vittoria uh, we'll quickly just plow through these uh, prelims, quite a few prelims. So we started uh, with Jonathan Martinez getting the decision against Zviad Lazishvili. Uh, then we got Randy Marcos picking up the decision. And uh, I saw a post-fact um, interview where she said essentially this 
fight has probably saved her UFC career. I think she was on a four-fight uh, losing streak, but she gets the decision against Olivia Renata Souza. Then we get uh, the first knockout of the night. Jeff Molina knocked out Daniel Lacerda in 46 seconds. And then that was quickly followed up by Jai Herbert knocking out Karma Werber uh, in 2 minutes 47 seconds. Uh, back to the decisions in the middleweights with Jamie Pickett uh, beating uh, Loriano Staropola. And then Tabitha Richer getting the decision against Mar- uh, Maria Oliveira. Um, UK and Wales' own Mason Jones finally got his first UFC win with a decision over David Ananas. Ananas uh, took the fight, I think, on about a week's note or something like that. He was unbeaten as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good prospect. And he, I thought he made a really good show himself, but uh, Mason Jones uh, really def- showing his class in that fight. Yeah, he's definitely coming more out of his shell. A lot of people uh, around the world might not know him, but he was the double champ in Cage Warriors before coming over yeah. to the UFC. Uh, I think it was what his first fight or his first two fights. Is that I think that's his second fight. Now oh, his second fight. Well, his first fight were uh, a little bit of a hit and miss. You could tell he just he just weren't all. Like, he, he, yeah, he was just Nerves. nervous. Like you could tell he were a prospect. Tell him championship material. Just weren't all there. And tonight he's he's showing what he is actually capable of. And then the last prelim was Gregory Rodriguez getting the the second round knockout of Park uh, Jun Young. That was a a proper standard and banging fight. Uh, two fighters who were top draw in terms of grappling and actual martial arts, just wailing on each other for, for two rounds. It was absolutely brilliant uh, to watch. Uh, but we actually started the card uh, in the lightweight division. Nikolai Nemugamarenu, I'm going to be calling him Nikolai, um, taking on Arke Villanueva. And this uh, was pretty, pretty damn quick. 1 minute 18. Of uh, the first round, and Nikolai gets the the knockout. Uh, both guys uh, looking to start to essentially stand and bang, uh, but Nikolai quickly uh, is able to take control, pushes the fight to the cage. Um, Villanueva is it gets away, uh, gets back to the middle, but the the shots were still being traded, uh, and then just as they were both just lamping each other with big shots, Villanueva just drops to the canvas after a massive rout. Uh, Nikolai follows it up with some hammer fists and it's pretty much over. Mark Beltran jumps in, stops the fight. One minute 18. Carlos? I feel like Chris Kamara at this moment in time. You know, when they said, there's been a sub. Has it? I'll make making some food and honestly, I didn't know this fight even happened. I was just looking at the schedule and I thought the first fight at, at Bain Corp with Francisco. I didn't, I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Like, has it? Did he knock him out? Has it? Yeah, it was a. I don't know, Jeff. It was a good way to uh, to start the car. Very exciting. Um, but this is this is what happens though with UFC. Every now and again, they'll throw a six match main card, and it throws you because it's it's hard work to kind of go off the top of the head with uh, with five fights. Then they throw an extra one, and you think Jesus Christ. But yeah, uh, it was a very quick fight. Good win for for uh, Nikolai. I think it was one on one in his UFC career before this. Um, and now, obviously, two and one. But his uh, in his career is eleven and one. So he's uh, hopefully he's going to climb that that lightweight division pretty quickly and, and get a, a a bigger fight because it was clear that he outclassed Villanueva in this um, second fight. Then uh, or Carlson's first fight as he <laughs> Carlson's card opener. Uh, Dwight Grant taking on Francisco Trinaldo in the welterweight division. Go on then, Carlos, lead us through this. Uh, uh, Francisco um, 
uh, picked up the split decision win, um, but it could have easily been uh, been the other way. Yeah, definitely. It could have it could have gone. This was one of the fights where it could have gone one of either ways. Now this is one of the fights I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch because for me personally, I, I think the way I was watching it, it could have gone more the uh, tomorrow towards Duarte's way than it could have towards Francisco. Now I'm not saying it's not a an unfair decision. The reason uh, the judges uh, obviously give it to Francisco is the amount of pressure he was able to keep up as well, dealing with the adversity that we, that he was given. But uh, I also feel that Dwight was all, uh, Dwight was also giving off all that offensive and attacking uh, a, a lot more. But obviously the judges see it differently. But each round were, was generally the same. It came to the clinch work. Duarte was, for me, that little bit more better. As being the longer fighter, it was a little bit more easy for him to switch up the positions, hold Francisco more towards the cage. But when you're built like Francisco, you're like a little tornado, so you're able to actually explode out of these positions. In a way, I want much faster than than you would your, your longer, uh, longer opponents. But yeah, this is all in all, this were a great fight, a great scrap between. And I couldn't say a young prospect because Francisco seems like he's been around since I were about two. 24 fights in the UFC. Which is absolutely mental. You've got to give respect to the man right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, from uh, And it's not like he's fought nobody's average, he's fought some top tier talent as well. So for him to still be in the UFC 20 odd fights down the line. Like we we can take it back with with some fighters who who have come into the UFC, who had two or three fights and then either been cut or just been released just because they're not they're not needed. You you rarely get a fighter that can stick around in an organi- an organization like the UFC for for that amount of time. So he's not a fighter to to sort of be in a way mess with. And not only that. Do I can somewhat look at this because even though he's got a record of eleven and four now, it's not a bad record to say he's only he's only basically coming up uh, in the UFC rankings and losing against uh, uh, Francisco is not. It, I would say he's not. Um, he's not a smack in the mouth which he got, but more of a learning curve. You've just been in the octagon with a more experienced, the more elite fighter. And yeah, you didn't get the win, but you got the the L, the learning experience from that. So hopefully he can come back a better fighter and, and maybe switch it up. Maybe maybe I was watching it wrong. Maybe he didn't throw the fainting uh, enough to where uh, Francisco did, couldn't see the shots coming because he, he could see a lot of them coming. That's why he was able to deal with the adversity. Mm-hmm. But all in all, it's a fair decision from the judges, but it could have gone either way. Yeah, I mean, I think for me the the pivotal point is is not even the point getting deducted. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, kind of balances out that third round, which uh, I thought uh, Francisco uh, edged that third round. He, I think he was very dominant in the first round, uh, landing some huge shots. But for me, the pivotal point was that second round. However, that was judged, uh, kind mm. of like dictated where the the round went. And for me, I thought that Grant won that round. Thought his uh, his uh, groundwork was a lot better. The the attack was a uh, uh, was fresher from him. Um, yeah, I mean, he 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 can uh, take a lot of kind of positives from it that he's he's been able to hang in there with a veteran and and only lost by a split decision. I mean, it only takes one judge to to go the other way, and you're looking at a draw or even a split decision your way. Uh, but yeah, uh, Francisco can. 
can breathe a sigh of relief that you pulled that out of the bag, especially getting that, that point deduction at the end. And it's not even the first point, the last point deduction we'll get on the on the show. Uh, it seems that this uh, this whole show was littered with them, which mm. sounds bad, but I think it's, it's uh, a good thing. I think it's a good thing because uh, the the UFC especially is incredibly yeah. lenient on uh, on um, if fouls. They not, if they not, if the UFC aren't willing to change the the gloves of the fighters to make it safer, then yeah, I think it's right that we should be seeing more point deductions from referees when fighters actually put it to the eyes. If you've got one warning as a professional, in my opinion, I'm say people can say I'm wrong, but in my opinion is, if the referee told you once to close your hands and you then poke someone in the eye, I'd take a point off you straight away, because at the end of the day, it's, yeah, fair enough, you might not be able to... To, to make a full fist sometimes because of the gloves but that's not the referee's problem that's not your opponent's problem that's you as a fighter's problem you mm-hmm. getting in there signing the contract knowing the rules knowing that's one of the things that is, is sometimes hard to do you, no one wants to be making fists all the time for 25 or 15 minutes it's, especially when something's uh, going against you it, it, it's not possible so yeah I think it's better that we're actually seeing more point deductions because I think to be honest with you doing this after a couple of events and a couple of probably major fights of this happening. Do you really think we're going to be seeing as many airports when fighters know? Hang on a minute, I can't play this as dirty as, as we once could mm-hmm. because we're going to get a point to cuff us. And then it's a dangerous game because then you need to, in a way, you then need to start looking for a knockout or a submission. Because when once you have a point to cuff you or two points to cuff you, that you fight pretty much over in that sense. If it goes the full the full distance, mm-hmm. you can pretty much wave it bye bye to your opponent. Yeah, and and the point you made about having to finish the fight, we see that in the in in the next fight, Alex uh, Bruce Lee Roy Caceres taking on Xiong Wu Choi. Um, for this one ends in the second round, but first round, um, uh, Song Wu Choi was was absolutely dominating Alex Caceres. There was a point where um, in 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 about the middle of the the, the first round, me and you were were both watching, and he. Um, Choi absolutely tagged Alex Caceres and we were making the the comparisons to Afro Ninja for people who, uh, <laughs> who know that meme uh, Alex Caceres was absolutely stunned and if he had a pair of nunchucks with him he would have been swinging and doing the, the <laughs> doing the afro ninja i mean but oh, yeah that um, but the issue comes when um alex Sarah is, is he's wounded on the floor uh, gets swarmed by Choi, and then Choi, for whatever reason i mean it might be just in the heat of battle but he throws uh, a knee whilst uh, alex Sarah is, is clearly downed uh, jason herzog um calls time uh, docks a point, which was was fair because he could have end- that could have been a fight ending um, uh, moment there. Uh, props to Alex Caceres for 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 being able to fight on. Uh, but yeah, he, he was getting dominated in that first round. But the point do- um, deduction meant that going into the second round, it was still all even Stevens, uh, and that's where uh, Alex Caceres was able to uh, change up his game plan. Um, Avoid a lot more of the shots that that, that uh, Trey was was able to throw, uh, and then when um, when Trey overextended on a kick, uh, Alex Caceres was able to slip the slip to the back, uh, basically jumped on him, kind of backpacked him, uh, got the neck. Uh, Trey falls forward, and, and uh, Alex Caceres was able to squeeze in the lock and um, 
come away with a massive, massive uh, come from behind style victory. Um, so, Carl, what were your thoughts on, on this fight? This were a brilliant fight. I, I love uh, Alex, I love his persona of basically coming off as Bruce Lee. He, as he lived up to his, his reputation as the, the champion that he was supposed to be, mm -hmm. no. Is he an exciting fighter? Yeah, definitely, of course he is. In this fight, yeah, he, he made a couple of mistakes. He he also he also made some good uh, efforts, but it was sort of mix and match. But going to the onto the, obviously the point getting deducted, you can understand why the ref made that decision. With uh, Ch uh, Shai already hurting him and uh, giving him that flurry of punches, he could have he could have finished him. But with with him sort of getting, I'd say, overly too excited of going, oh, I'm going to get the finish here, and and just the instinct of the fighter switching on, go, I can get a knee off here, and, and throws the knee. Maybe he, he thought Alex was on, on both feet. It's all up in the air when it comes to all that sort of stuff. But the, the referee took the point away just for the sole reason of Alex was already hurt. That knee, like you said, it could have been potentially a, a, a far ender. Mm -hmm. So... And with it being early in the round as well, the, you can see also why the referee took the point away instead of it sort of being uh, a far end. Because if it was a far end, then no one would have no one would have won. It just would have been a, a doctor stoppage because it's too early into the fight yeah, to then go. Yeah, so then it just would have been like just a, an absolute waste in a way. But then going on to Alex's comeback from that, it, the way we were able to slip the kick and transition. Well, I wouldn't say transition because there were no transitioning fall. We were able to slip the kick and then take the the triangle, the body triangle, uh, to try and then it, it just simple. It, when you're fighting in in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're doing a lot of hand fighting. Obviously, you, you're not punching in the face or all that. You're doing a lot of hand fighting. You're keeping the opponent away from your neck. You're keeping your arms up. But in this fight, Alex was able to mix that up a hell of a lot. But you don't really see. You see people when they're in that sort of position in farts, try and just hand fight or try and just try and get the choke. They somewhat forget that they're in a mixed martial arts bout and they can punch sometimes and Alex were able to mix that up by punching to the side of the head, throwing in the uppercuts underneath when, when Choi's got his arms up to try and stop the arms coming in for the rear naked choke. And as soon as he saw the rear naked choke, bang, yeah. he were on it. Just like a just like a snake would on its prey. He was just squeezing the life out of Choi and Choi he can get out of that. He, as soon as a choke like that is in and it's in right perfectly, they ain't no getting out of it. Mm -hmm. That's why you seen Choi just collapse straight away to the floor, just to make it easier for, for somewhat for him to get his hands. And it worked because he were out, it was literally just just for that case of if you've got someone in a choke like that, instead of going to your back and potentially them putting it on to harder, if you go forward, all their pressure's on you. So you, you can you can try and get some some breath back, but yeah, that that were all over as soon as uh, as soon as Alex set that choke in, Alex basically turned that 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 loss into a, a an outstanding comeback win. Mm -hmm. And you talk about um, um, elite level fighters being able to kind of uh, um, sinking those those submissions and and like a snake. I, I actually was a uh, dual watching this pay per view with uh, Bellator two sixty nine. Um, and uh, Usman uh, Nurmagomedov, uh, part of that that um, Habib dynasty. He he did pretty much exactly the same thing against uh, Patrick Piatella. 
Um, he saw the sniff of the back, uh, was able to take it and got a rear neck choke. So yeah, you do, you do not give your uh, your opponents the opportunity to get that back because if there are any kind of level of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're going to sleep. Simple as that. Definitely. So then going into uh, my fourth fight, but Carlos was third, uh, <laughs> Jessica Rose Clark uh, taking on uh, Jocelyn Edwards in the women's bantamweight division. And for me, this fight is really easy to uh, to analyse and critique. This was, yeah, the, yeah this, this was a, a typical clash of styles between somebody who... Uh, who wants to stand and bang and somebody who wants to um, grapple. Uh, and, yeah, grapple is a loose term because it was more um, wrestle-fucking. Wrestle yeah, wrestle-fucking. Yeah. Um, Jessica Rose Clark obviously wanted to really kind of make a, a statement in this division. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, the statement is, I'm a boring fighter because uh, she did not want to stand and bang at all with Jocelyn Edwards. Well, it's not, it's not even the fact that she didn't even want to stand and bang. The fact is that she's been out for two years. You came back, and I understand you want to get the win. You want to, you want to get that confidence back. But she was in control most of the fight. 11 minutes of, of uh, yeah. ground control. And she was in plenty of position. And most, I guarantee if we were to look it up now, most of that time she was spent in mount. And she didn't, she didn't deliver any sort of damage. There was nothing. There, I would literally get to the point where I was looking at that fight and thinking to myself, UFC needs to do something about that fight, where just because of the, the antics that were going on with uh, with thingies, fucking thing uh, falling out. And I, that's that's the point I got to in that fight. Yeah. Rather than just going, well, this is shit. She's just lying on her. She's got control. She's doing nothing. Yeah. I was thinking the UFC needs to change that fight. Where yeah. you lose concentration because yeah. it was it, every time that Jessica Rose Clark was in control, she she just led on her opponent. Uh, and yeah, she, um, that's bad on uh, Jocelyn Edwards not being able to to kind of like get a way out. But it. It took a point when uh, Key Peterson um, is is telling you to stand up, and as soon as you're standing up, Jessica Rose Clark is going back down for the takedown. It was, it was a, um, it was a cl- um, kind of a, a clinic in taking down and holding your opponent down. But in terms of beating your opponent and and uh, action, this was a boring. Well, it was a good wrestling match. It was a good wrestling match. It was a good mm-hmm. wrestling match for pins. Yeah, but it's a mixed martial arts, and a lot of people. Uh, I see a lot of casuals like arguing about this when people say, "Oh, it's boring because they do it." It's like, "Oh, well, no, they grapple, no, they no." I end up, when people say stuff like, "It's boring," a lot of people just totally forget the whole point of MMA, mixed martial arts. It's all mixed together. So if you're just going in there and trying to dominate in one thing, yeah, of course it's going to be boring. People watch mixed martial arts to see the mixed part of the martial arts, not to tune in to watch a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. They can watch the Olympics for that. They can watch. Fucking telly on a Sunday. I mean, it'd be all right if it, if it was a, a proper wrestling match, but yeah. this wasn't. She there was no, uh, not really a lot of uh, movement from Clark to to score submissions mm-hmm. or to. It, this was just a case of lying on your opponent to dominate to negate them attacking you. Uh, yeah, one of the fat. Yeah, it was boring as fuck. But she goes up against someone uh, of a higher caliber. Who can get up from a, from them positions, or who can stuff her takedown in the first place? She is going to get found out very, very quickly. And not even that. Even if she can hold people down, it's going to be boring because it's not like like there's a reason a lot of people like love Khabib 
for the fact that he can hold people down. It's the fact that he can smack people in the face at the same time. He, he, Khabib is always looking for a sub. That's the yeah, issue. Yeah, even to dominate also. He's not, yeah. oh, he's not just looking to go, right, I've got a dominant position here, I'm just going to hold it and line, you know, and then just wait till yeah. that, that bell goes well, For me, it felt that Jessica wasn't in... Not that she wasn't interested. If a submission showed itself, she would have That's taken it. it. But she didn't go out to make a That's submission. She, she went in, out to yeah. just defend. If she were in full guard for most of the time, she were in mount. And she weren't in mount, she were in full guard. Mm-hmm. It's only the seconds that she was in the other position before she transitioned to it and the fact is that she could transition to full guard to mount so easily and not even find a submission just straight wrestling and holding her down just makes it boring mm-hmm. absolutely promotional consideration paid for by the following hey folks pc tony here thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade you can save 10 percent on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code chairshot head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So let's go into the core main event. Grant Dawson and Ricky Glenn. Ricky Glenn was uh, was the biggest outsider on the whole of the card. Uh, Carlos has got some thoughts on this part. Uh, so yeah, let's hear him. This was this was a decent fight. Mm-hmm. To say that um, these two fighters, uh, well, was the the core main event. 
they weren't a disappointment. No. This was absolutely a, a, a masterclass for pressure, really. We just we could see Dawson apply just endless amounts of pressure in the first two rounds. That was just so, in, in a way, perfect. He, this is when we talked about the last fight, and we went that she was uh, absolutely dominant in wrestling. He was dominant in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and wrestling. He was looking for the submission. He was looking uh, to get that offense off. He was looking for the takedowns. Granted, yeah, he was holding um, he was holding Rick up against the cage for a fair lot of the time, but they were still looking for stuff. They were still looking for the takedown. They were still throwing the shots in there. It, it made it, it literally made it exciting. But Rick, he's, even though he was the biggest sort of underdog on the card, I don't think a lot of people know his name or sort of know his background. He's uh, another veteran who were on this card who who knows exactly what to do. And he was just so calm when it got to the ground. Because he was in, like I say, for the first two rounds, he was in positions to where any, any other ordinary fighter could have, like, killed under the pressure there. Could have just gone, nah, fuck this, this is enough. For, if he said how much pressure this kid's putting on me, if he's not going for me, like, he's punching me in the gut. If he's not got his arm around me gut, he's... He's trying to elbow me in head. If he's not doing that, he's trying to knee me. If he's not doing that, he's putting me on the floor, knee me in ribs. He, he couldn't give up at any at any point there. Going, well, this, this kid's clearly younger. He's more. He's got more agile. He's more flexible. He's faster. But he didn't just have. He didn't have the IQ as what Rick did. Rick was able to just stay calm, weather the storm, keep his arms up to to where he couldn't get rear naked choked or or keep his arms out flailing to where he could give a submission up. He he did exactly what he needed to do to take it towards the end. But in doing that, in the last round, his corner already told him, you need a finish in this round. If you don't get a finish, this fight's lost. You, you you've lost it. So when he comes out, he, he comes out a bit more active on the on on the gas pedal first. And that puts him in a position there where He's leading the fight then, and Dawson starts to get tired at this point because he's been he's been absolutely dominant in grappling for the first ten minutes, and it's not the first time that Dawson's been able to do that. But when you're when you're doing that against a high level person like Rick, he's going to make you use a lot of energy mm-hmm. because you're going to use a lot of energy trying to do stuff to him that he's going to be able to counter react because he knows exactly what to do. So you're going to use that energy no matter what you do. So Dawson was absolutely gassed in that third round. Absolutely, and, and, and that was the difference maker, especially to the judges. Um, I think two judges gave that final round a ten-eight. Um, the other judge, uh, I think it was Saldi Amato, gave gave it a ten-nine, which uh, ended up being the majority draw because uh, Dawson got one twenty-nine, twenty-eight, and then it yeah. was two twenty-eight, twenty-eight. Um, so it, it all went on how you judge that that final round. Uh, I do think that you're out. Uh, that Dawson was so dominant in those first two rounds. But the, he emptied the gas tank. Uh, that's it, and that's why I, that's where the controversy come from to me because in them sort of because he didn't do a lot of damage, he didn't do a lot of stuff in there. Only thing that he did was somewhat control the position. But when you're looking at it from different points of views, who's controlling the position when they're up against the fence? Is it the person trying to get the takedown or is it the person defending the takedown? Because if you're defending the takedown a longer time than the person is actually getting the takedown. Are you winning or you're losing at that point because you're not on your back mm-hmm. and the person who's trying to get the takedown at that point is failing. And to me, that's what Dawson started to do a lot more in the second round. 
when he started to slow down a little bit because his first round was absolutely massive wrestling heavy, he started to slow down and then the third round they were gone, they were gassed. That's why Rick was able to take that round completely. Mm-hmm. And then when it got to the, the sub part and the and I'm guessing that's gonna be talked about for well, for about a week because next week's cards on. But <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that's gonna be talked about for a, for a for a couple of days anyway, about the controversy. was he out? Was he not out? Should he have won the fight? Should he have lost the fight? We'll we sort of well, we'll never know up until these two fight again. But that's what well, actually speaking about it now, that's what won, obviously, Rick the fight. Mm-hmm. With him basically being able to somewhat, in the second round, overturn it. Then in the third, absolutely, in a way, dominate the fight. I could, now I can see why the, the judges somewhat give that a draw. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it did make sense. But it, that, that last 10 seconds or so is always going to be controversial, especially mm-hmm. when... Um, that that choke was very 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 tight. Uh, Dawson was giving the thumbs up, uh, and as the klaxon went and uh, Ricky Glenn let the the choke go, it took uh, Grant Dawson a hell of a long time to get to his feet. Um, now that that invokes a, a very uh, underused rule about being able to uh, mm. to make it to your feet after the after the bell goes and. It, Ricky has an argument that that should have been called, but yeah. watching the watching the replays, you can see that it wasn't because it didn't seem to me like it was because he was knocked out. It just seems to me like he was he was just worn out, exhausted. I don't think he. I don't think uh, Grant Dawson was knocked out. I think he just had no energy left well, because he'd emptied that gas tank and because he'd been essentially destroyed in that third round and that's uh, and if the viewers who watched the event actually uh, listened if they was listening along uh, whilst Paul Felder and Michael Bisping were actually talking uh, when they both said to me I actually agree with both of them with uh, Paul Felder actually saying what you were saying uh, is he out or is he not out it, it, maybe he's just fatigued and he's just utterly drained just because he's been in a grueling fight and then Bisping saying straight after that, yeah, but his body language doesn't look convincing. So you can see where you can see what they're going to be looking at, and mm-hmm. you can agree, like, yeah, was he out? Was he not out? We we'll we'll never truly know. It was he fatigued? Definitely. Was he fucked? Definitely. Anyone would have been after that fight. But as as Michael Bisping said, what the judges would have been looking at after the fight is body language. Rick were walking about after the fight. Mm-hmm. Dawson was. Was was struggling to get to his knee before falling back onto his back. Yeah, that's, so it's definitely a fight that needs to run back. Yeah, so definitely. Especially after a fight, the way that the way it not only not only was but the way it ended has definitely got to make sure it has uh, definitely got to run that back. Yeah, absolutely. So main event time: uh, Paolo Costa versus Marvin Vittori was meant to be uh, uh, at middleweight. Then was meant to be a catchweight. Then was a, um, a lightweight. Before we actually get into the fight, um, I just want to give my view and then let Carlos give his view on on this whole situation with Paulo Costa. So, uh, in case you were living under a rock or you don't know, uh, since about a week before weighing, Paulo Costa made it known that he wasn't going to make it to 185. This is someone who's struggled with weight cutting um, pretty much all all the way through his UFC career. 
Um, then when it comes to fat, he, no, before that, he kind of put the pressure on Marvin Vittori on Twitter saying, uh, essentially saying it was up to him to, to accept the fat, uh, a catch weight, uh, which Marvin Vittori absolutely accepted it with, with no problem, but to kind of be the one missing weight and then uh, putting all the onus on your fatter to, to act, uh, your opponent to accept the, um, the fat, for me is massively massively unprofessional to not even give a reason why you're missing weight and to say that you'll reveal the details after the fight massively massively unprofessional uh then on on uh Wayne now he he made it known he wouldn't be able to make 195 which meant the uh the fight was then bumped up to 205 uh, which he did make weight. Uh, Marvin also also made weight at that. But the, this whole situation has, has left an ugly black mark uh, on MMA, uh, especially on the weight cutting system for me. Um, I am I think I'm in the same corner as Bisping was that he had no intention of making 185 um, because he came out looking like a specimen. He yeah, like a he was specimen, all muscle. There wasn't a. I mean, he had a, a bit of a jowl on the chin. I mean, he didn't look tired, he didn't look deflated, he didn't look fuck all, he didn't look like a fighter who, for the last week, has been trying to make weight. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't think he, he had any intention of making weight. I think he tried to game the system of uh, of just dropping that 20%, yeah. knowing that he could have a very easy kind of last week into, into running into fight, which, for me makes a mockery well, of, so he, of the whole he's system. He's on a contract where he can do that sort of stuff like we were on about earlier. He's one of them named fighters who's got a decent contract where he could just go, <laughs> I don't really need that 20 grand, uh, that, that 20%, so I'm just going to give it up. And yeah, he, he, I've been there so, so many times with other fighters and watching them in person cutting weight and then myself doing it. He didn't make it, like you said perfectly before Marvin Vittori said it, He's a cunt. Yeah. He's just a cunt. Simple <laughs> as that. He is. And he's... He, he did not try and make weight. He knew exactly what he was doing. He thought, if I don't make weight, I can fight Marvin Vittori. He's already a heavy hitter. I can be stronger, bigger, and I'll be the stronger heavy hitter, and I'll knock yeah, him out before he does it to me. The, the 20 pounds was muscle. It's yeah. as simple and clear as that, as that. There was no extra water weight. There was no fat on him. It was all muscle. Let's live a muscle. That's all he's been doing. He's been lifting weights, hoping to just get one clean smile. That's why every single punch he threw was just nothing but power to Vittori. Because mm-hmm. he knew that's the reason he came in that ever and yeah. overweight. Because he knew that he had to get as much power as he could to knock that absolute Italian fucking zombie out. Because yeah. you can't knock him out. And, and the issue is he, he, he used his name and his stroke in the UFC to game that system because he yeah. knew that this fight was always going to happen he knew that Marvin was never going to uh, back out of the fight so he could get absolutely get away with murder luckily uh, and we'll get into the fight now um, he got his comeuppance uh, because whilst he should have dominated this fight being the heavier fighter uh, he lit a fire under Marvin Vittorian we um We've never been the biggest Marvin Vittori fans here on Fire Ground. I was the fucking biggest fan of Marvin Vittori tonight in the world. Yeah, I was definitely (laughs) in his corner. Uh, A lot of Brazilian fighters who normally back their own own guys were definitely in Marvin Vittori's corner. Even Anthony Rumble Johnson came out on Twitter and said, uh, for all the problems he's ever had with missing weight, and he had quite a lot of problems. This is the guy who went from welterweight to heavyweight. Yeah, he said uh, every time he missed weight, he had no excuse. He was disappointed in himself. 
he didn't try and game the system um, for for how Paulo Costa has acted. Yeah, he, he should be ashamed of himself. Uh, Dan Hardy has, has come out and said that Paulo Costa should give up all of his uh, all of his winnings and also pay uh, uh, Marvin Vittoria uh, 100% of his winnings. So, yeah, the, the the one good thing is this has kind of united the, the MMA world about gaming the system. And I hope that this leads to talk of of changing the, the weighing system because right now it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. It's, it's built to uh, get an advantage over an opponent rather than natural, healthy weighing um, for fighters. So I still believe that daily weighings uh, throughout the final week of of, of the uh, of your training camp should be the norm. So you have to maintain your fighting weight over a longer period because cutting water weight and then banging it straight back on ten minutes later is not only unhealthy and bad for your body, but it, it's cheating because yeah. you you're not that way. Well, there's a reason that they brought in the sixteen percent in the first place, and and if if you don't know what I'm on about by saying that is. When a fighter cuts weight down to whatever weight they're trying to make, when they hit the target, they're only allowed to hydrate 16% of their body weight back on before the fight. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a reason they put that in place, is because people was trying to get down to fucking lightweight or, or featherweight, and they should have been a fucking middleweight mm -hmm. or, a, or a welterweight. And it's like, you're trying to get either a reach advantage, a strength advantage, or whatever on your opponents just because you're the much bigger guy. Now, if you were to fight in your normal weight category, guarantee a lot of the rosters and a lot of the ladders and a lot of the top tens will be totally different because you haven't got guys like... Now, Khabib, one of the best in the world, like I said to you the example earlier, there's a reason he cut weight down to 170. It's not because he's amazing there. We all know he's, a, he's an amazing fighter. 155. Uh, 155, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, 155. Um... I'll say that again, fucking hell. One, yeah, one, seven, yeah, 155. <laughs> we, it, it's an amazing fighter. But at 155, he cuts down all the way down to that. It's because of what? He's at six foot one. He's got a lengthy reach span when it comes to that weight. He's strong when it comes to that weight, especially when you're a high-level grappler. It's going to be a lot easier to hold a smaller yeah. guy down. And then then if he's at welterweight, fighting at 170, he's got fighters... Is he who, doing the same? Is he he's got fighters who are coming down from, from middleweight, who yeah. are dropping from 185. And exactly, like your Corey Cobbington. 6'4", 6'5". Your fucking... Your, your Kamara Usman. Kamara Usman. Yeah. All, all them fighters, even your, your Jorge Masvidal, your Darren Tills, mm -hmm. who are fighting at that weight. Do you think Khabib is, is doing this to exactly them? And when, before people say, well, yeah, it don't matter how big they are, just go and look at D DC in his training videos. He, did, did he look like the same sort of amazing grappler that he's done in, in 155 when he's grappling DC? Or did DC show him that, yeah, when you know exactly what you're doing and when you can grapple, maybe when you are heavier and bigger than your opponent, it's not, it, it's not like the worst thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it just goes to it just goes to show everyone needs to fight in their own weight category. Not only will it be better for the fighters, it's also going to be healthier for them. Mm -hmm. The less likely to fucking die at the end of the day. It's already a <clears throat> it's already a dangerous sport when you're taking uh, kicks to the head and punches to the head. 
Let me just change that one bit just to make it a bit more safer. Well, yeah, especially when you're kicking the shit out of your kidneys because you're cutting water. Uh, But anyway, let's get into the fight. Uh, This fight went all five rounds uh, and it was actually a really... Fun fact, a lot of kind of bad blood here, obviously, because of, of what happened with the weight cutting and uh, Costa's attitude. Um, no touching of gloves. In fact, Costa, when he uh, entered the octagon, went to kind of a, to step up to, to yeah. Vittori, uh, was actually pulled away by the, the security team. Um, and Costa was landing some, his, his big weapon was that head kick. Um, landed oh, it. I'd not I'd say the head kick. Would you not say the body kick? No, no, no. In the in the beginning of the first four rounds or so, it was always the head kick. The body kick only really came in that final round, really. To be fair, mm. uh, but the head kick was the one that was landing. Um, especially, um, I think it was in the second when he uh, Vittori just took it on the neck and the chin and just walked through him. And you called it perfectly when you called him a zombie. Um, but yeah. Uh, Costa was landing some huge shots, but that extra weight meant that he was... Um, he was fucked by end of first round. End of first round, he was absolutely knackered. Yeah. Um, Vittoria uh, did a lot better in, in kind of uh, avoiding uh, Costa because because of the extra weight, Costa's wasn't as explosive. He certainly had the power. He wasn't moving it, around as fast yeah, as he usually But goes. it was like one or two shots at a time rather than the kind of flurries that we've expected with him. Vittori was able to kind of walk through them and land some big, big shots. And for me, uh, that was the the, the telling point. Um, Vittori's big shots really kind of shook uh, Costa quite a few times, um, forced him into the back of the cage. Um, Vittori's head movement, I thought, was was really good. The defence from from the majority of the head kicks was was uh, was was sound. Well, he was slipping a lot of shots. A lot of the shots that Costa were throwing at him. He was, at, he was doing a lot of uh, good to actually slip him. So even though he was getting, there was connected, there wasn't connecting at 100%, I, I wouldn't even say 50% because he's rolling the shots off like Canelo would uh, when he's boxing. He's rolling the shots off. You're not exactly hitting him flush on the chin. You, you're making contact, but he, he's going with your fist. So mm-hmm. you, you're hitting him, but then he's sliding off. Mm-hmm. And it gets him back in, it gets you, you into the distance of him to crack you. And that's exactly what Marvin was doing to... Costa, he was just slipping some of them shots and then getting them flurries off because he, he he knew if you're going to come in heavier to me and be slow and sloppy, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and counter and just get as uh, as many punches off and that's exactly what he was doing. He was he was calculated with his shots. He wasn't putting 100 percent into every single shot. He was setting his shots up. He was fainting his mm-hmm. shots. He was setting up his distant shots. He was jabbing at that 40 percent. He was crossing at like 60 percent, and then that big right and uh, big left hand at 100 percent to try and knock him out. Yeah. Whereas Costa was just 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. Can't knock him out. 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. Shit. <laughs> so yeah, Marvin. He played the perfect game plan, especially when it came to fighting someone like Paulo Costa. Especially when you consider how emotional this fight was, for him to stick to a game plan and for him to not go 100% because no one would have blamed him if he didn't want to absolutely pound Costa's face into the floor. After everything that's gone on in in the, the shit talking and then the missing weight and the, just the sheer disrespect, no one could yeah. have... Uh, could have uh, be mad at Vittoria for for wanting to just absolutely decimate Costa, but he knew that Costa was always going to be bigger. He was always going to hit harder, and yeah. he, he had to 
duck and weave. Yeah, you had to be clever about that. Because yeah. even though you were pissed off, and uh, even though as much as I don't like, um, uh, I can't, that's how much I don't even like him. I don't even, I don't even need to fucking remember <laughs> his name. What's he called? Costa. It, as much as he basically uh, missed weight and, and been a prick, he, you've still got to respect the power that he brings, and Marvin exactly did that. He knew that if he were to go all guns blazing at uh, Costa, Costa's going to return back with his own at some point, and it only takes him to crack you once or twice, uh, uh, and you're out. And Marvin had that first crack, and he was lucky enough to get out of it and, be, and have the sense enough to get out of the way of the second one. Because that first, the, a couple of times, Costa had him hurt, especially with the first crack. You just in, never got that, that second crack up. In that second round, that, that head kick was brutal. Uh, but that second round was also controversial because of the apple. Uh, yeah, again, uh, uh, Jason Herzog taking no prisoners. Uh, he'd already warned Costa quite a few Three times. times. Yeah, Three times. Warned him about his, his outreach eyes. And then Costa, again, showing massive disrespect uh, when he was basically telling uh, Jason Herzog, no, you're I not would, taking I a point. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a foul from that commission because a lot of yeah. fighters, if you, they really talk back to like the judges or the referees after making a decision like that, commissions aren't usually fucking happy. So if they don't give you a fine, it's usually them grilling the UFC to give you a fine. Yeah, it just seems to me that Costa's team and him have such a bad attitude problem that they want success in the in the sport but don't want to put yeah, in the work. It. And they, they believe that uh, they are above the rules which they are. Anyway, they want to be so, gifted the shots. They don't yeah. want to they don't want to earn it. He wants to be gifted a title shot against Israel Asanya without earning it. Mm-hmm. And he can't even beat the the, the rank one. Yeah. So uh, that second round, I think without that airport, Costa probably wins it just because of how much he rattled um, Marvin Vittori. But props to Marvin for having that chin, being able to kind of like take a back step, uh, refresh himself. And there were a lot of times in in that uh, that kind of a uh, uh, situation, he was pushing Costa away and just avoiding him and getting his breath back and, and clearing out the cobwebs. But throughout the next two rounds, so going up to the fourth round, it was all Vittoria. Yeah. Vittoria uh, knew that Costa was tired, uh, saw that in his corner the uh, uh, Costa's team were having to, to essentially shake the blood into Costa's arms. Costa was open-mouthed for the rest of the fight, still landing big shots. I mean, the gas still had so much power, but I think uh, Vittoria knew that uh, the gas tank had gone and he was able to, if he kept up his game plan, uh, picking off the shots, uh, doing a damage via volume rather than uh, via uh, one big shot that he was going to pick up this this far um, and went easily for me into a, a comfortable points lead to the point where Costa needed a finish. Uh, and then, ironically, Costa's best round was the fifth round mm. when he switched up his game plan. Uh, for four rounds, he went for head kicks. For four rounds, he went for, uh, for one-two combinations. And in that fifth round, he started focusing on the body and he hurt Marvin well, Vittori he started, multiple yeah, times. Well, he started focusing on it. Uh, uh, I suppose it, uh, throughout the fight, he was focusing. He, he was throwing the he was throwing the P kicks, uh, the T kicks, and the and the and the side body, and the reverse uh, and the roundhouse body kicks to the body. It's just in the fifth round, he knew he that needed something. Focus. He needed to get them shots off clean because even though he was hitting Marvin to the body a couple of times. They were only pinging shots, and like I, th- I can't remember which one of the commentary team said it, but it's uh, but it's a perfect example. When you're fighting a southpaw, their liver is on this side, is on like the sort of right hand side. 
So when you're throwing them body kicks, all you're really hitting there is the body is bone, muscle, different fat, sort of yeah. organs. Yeah, so it, you can you can take a lot uh, to, to your left hand side, but then when it comes to your right hand side where your liver is, all it takes like two or three shots to maybe mm -hmm. put you down. And then that's where in the last round, where um, Paulo Costa, he played that really well. He kicked him so fucking hard. It was like someone just, it, it was like baseball when you just hear the perfect connection between bat and ball. And, and you didn't even really need to hear it as well. I mean, you could see on, on Marvin Vittori's face, that stank, that's, that was uh, painful. And that travelled through from yeah. one side straight to the other. And he, he, he knew he, he knew he had the liver, Paulo Costa, because he started changing his boxing up there, especially mm -hmm. in that last round, where he threw like a, it's somewhat like a uppercut to the the right hand side to Marlon Vittori and hit him with that perfect liver shot like a, like Jose Aldo did to Jeremy Stevens to put him down in the fight. Mm -hmm. He hit him with it in that last round, and you could see it hurt him. And, and even though Marlon Vittori was slowed down uh, enough as it was coming into the fifth round, because he was. It was goosed from just putting four rounds of absolute living hell onto Paulo Costa, making him deal with everything he was getting thrown at. But in that last round, he definitely showed, uh, slowed down, and Paulo Costa were able to step the game up. Well, it just weren't good enough. Yeah, and I think uh, Vittori's uh, the end of the round when he uh, he went for the takedown, but couldn't pull it off, but just was able to to force uh, Costa up against the fence, that saved the fight for me. I yeah, think he needed to do that. If he had took 30 seconds more of those uh, body shots, I think Costa pulls this uh, this win out of the jaws of defeat. But I'm glad Marvin Vittori uh, got that victory. Um, I like watching Paolo Costa. I mean, Brisbane said it on, on uh, the commentary, and Paul Felder kind of agreed with him. Um, all this weight cutting business and all this attitude business side, he's exciting to watch. Yeah, he's he a, really is exciting to watch. But he's got he's got such a bad attitude, and I hope that he learns from this. Um, which he won't. Which he won't, obviously not. Uh, but that's uh, that's pretty much this show wrapped up. Uh, next week we've got another early show, uh, UFC two sixty seven, uh, essentially double titles with a. Uh, uh, the bantamweight interim title, Petter Yan versus Corey Sandig, which still baffles me, especially when he, Corey oh, is off a, off a loss. But just strip fucking, just strip out of my Sterling for being an absolute nonce and not wanting to fight. Um, and the, the thoughts of Carlos do not, <laughs> do not uh, represent the thoughts of, of his uh, uh, Well, you know what I mean? Just like, just tell him to stop being a, an absolute knobhead and if you don't want to fight give it up and then just you know exactly what the fight is to make we're definitely Petty Ann versus TJ Dillashaw mm -hmm. that, that was the fight to make like it's not it's the massive elephant in the room that Dana White and Sean Shelby and apparently everybody else in the UFC are just avoiding uh, respect to Corey Sandig and I, I love him as a fighter but he doesn't deserve to be in the, the to, well he does and he done but in his last performance he lost so he done uh, deserve to be in the interim title fight and it shouldn't be an interim title fight anyway it shouldn't just be fighting for the vacant belt because Altamir's totally should just be stripped I, I do think that um, Dillashaw turned the fight down did he? yeah I believe oh, my bastard did. why would he turn it down? because I don't think he's, oh can he not take steroids anymore? He's not, I don't think he's, he said <laughs> he wants at least a couple fights tune up fights before he goes into title uh, contention so so why are we giving it all bigger than fucking beating Corey oh I'll take, I'll take a fight yeah because he's, he's TJ Dillashaw isn't he he's the snake uh, but this card is absolutely 
packed. I mean, we've got Jan, um, Jan Blakovic versus Glover Teixeira. That's going to be a good fight. I don't that, think, the one thing about that though, I don't, I, I want Glover to do well, but just because he's been in the UFC for so long, and I've seen it a couple of Yeah, he deserves, deserves the title. It deserves the, the title. He could have got an easier opponent than Jan Blakovic. Yeah, Come on. Like, the Polish power who just cracked everybody in his way, and then his last performance against Israel Adesanya just goes to show that he can not only absolutely knock your block off, he can take it to the ground if he needs to. Yeah, and then the, if those two massive title fights weren't, weren't big enough, we've also got Islam Makachev fighting again a, a big-name fight. Everybody's been ducking him. Dan Okarat ducked him. So that's going to be a, a that's going to be a, that's going to be a banger, and then we that's Dan Hooker, what he fought how many weeks ago now? Um, I think he's had quite a rest this time. I know uh, he re, when he fought uh, Felder, he fought again about four weeks later. But I think he's had quite a bit of a, a layoff this Danuka. time. No, I'm sure he only fought a couple of weeks ago because didn't he not like basically stay in Vegas or did he not stay in America or something like that or wherever they are. You know, you're right, you're, he's, you're right. he fought um, yeah, I'm um, sure he did. Hat Perest. Um, he won that, and then they basically said to him, Yo. Before that, he fought, he lost to Chandler at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and then they were like, hey, do you want to do us a favour? Stay here for 14 days and fight. Well, it's, it's like... Yeah, can't, I will. Yeah, it's about a month. Um, but even after that, there's still some fighters who I absolutely think are superb on this card. Um, Magomed uh, Ankilev taking on uh, Volkan Uzumir. That's a very really good fight. And then uh, Hamza back oh. after after his issues with COVID, he's fighting Jiang uh, Liang Li. Uh, so that's going to be another bop. Can he uh, can he move up that welterweight division? So uh, I think he can. Yeah, uh, I think he's one of them spectacle fighters in the, anywhere between probably middleweight and welterweight. He could probably pick one of them weights, seriously pick one of them and dominate it, mm-hmm. just for how good he is. Well, he's still unbeaten, so is he going to go 10 and all? Uh, but you'll find out next week. Um, so, yeah, definitely tune in for that. Um, anyway, time for the socials. Follow me on Twitter, at DJ Kirby. Oh, no, it's not even at that anymore. Wow, that needs cutting out. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Podfather Mags. Uh, follow Carlos here, at Kirby underscore Carlos. Uh, follow the show, at Five Rounds Pod. Uh, definitely check out the rest of the content on all the amazing networks we're a part of. Uh, that's Radio Techers, that's The Chair Shot and uh, Visionaries Global Media. Uh, but yeah, that's all from us this week. Um, so uh, that is the end. Adios, amigos. Wow, and turned that for a time. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.